0: Welcome to the J Scott Outdoors podcast, guys. I'm here at the home of Cody Nelson in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's raining straight down. And we've had a full day of rain yesterday. What an awesome, awesome Bring uh, it November! Bring the rain on. Uh, you Give know, us exciting as much as we can news take. going on at Go Hunt. We've got the Black Friday sale. Uh, the The Black Friday sale is kicked off here. It's November 21st. Yep. Lots of savings. It's It's running from now until December 3rd they are giving away a free elk hunt. Elk hunt. Uh, all you got to do is spend $200 and you get an entry for every $200 yeah. you spend. If you bought a $2000 pair of binoculars that gives you 10 entries That's into correct. the into the elk hunt drawing as well as you don't have to spend 200 at once. You could buy 175 now and 25 In December, December 1st yeah. and it makes the 200 you get an entry to win the free elk correct. hunt. Guys, go to GoHunt.com. Check out the Black Friday sale. Uh, Cody, also exciting news. Uh, Swarovski, Swarovski has got a sale coming For the, uh, the uh, 26th of November at 9.01 yep. p.m. Pacific, Standard, uh, Pacific time. Sa- Standard Time on the 8x42 and the 10x42 yep, SLC. $200 off. 200 bucks off those. That's phenomenal savings. Yep. Um Swarovski's never done that. I, I was to say, time.
1: I don't... I, I, I remember there being an anniversary sale, but I don't remember ever there being a sale like this.
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, guys, so, check out the Sarovsky sale. Check out the Black Friday sale. Uh, get a hold of Cody, 702-847-8747, extension 2. You can also email him at optics at gohunt.com. Yep. We're going to dive into the questions here. We've got a big pile of questions from uh, Instagram followers, and Cody, it's always great to sit down. Yeah, let's dive in. I'm glad this. to be
1: here. I want to hammer this out.
0: All right, let's do it. Why is there zero talk about the Leica HD B3000s? I looked through them and the EL ranges, talking about Swarovski, yep. uh, and they seemed better to my eye. Any input on those?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, there. I mean, there is quite a bit of talk about them out there. Um, we, we actually sell them quite a bit. I think they're a great unit, especially for somebody that is wanting to enter, uh, their, um, their ballistics into the, the binocular with the SD card. Um, and it, will hold up to six of them and it, it, it will actually, when you range it, it'll give you your solution. And I, uh, I think it's an excellent, um, an excellent rangefinder. Um, I know that there are people that, um, Maybe shy away from the SD card part of it, but it's it's really not that complicated. So um, there there is another option um, when you have the uh, the the 2700Rs, um, which I think is a great option as well. That just does the the line of sight with the the um, and the angle compensation. So I think the the lineup gives you a a, a good a good choice um, as far as it being. You know, better or worse, glass wise, I I really think that that what that guy said can't be stressed enough. If you compared the both and you like the the Leicas, buy the Leicas. There's nothing wrong with it. If it if it if it does what you're asking it to do, and your setup and the way you shoot and the way that you you know handle long range or whether it's close range, it doesn't matter. If it works for you, then do it. Um, the interesting thing that people may or may not know, Jay, about that particular kind of binocular it is not a traditional roof prism um bend you know you'll notice that there's actually a little bend in the tube and uh it's i always kind of call it a quasi poro prism you know it's kind of a hybrid if you really think about it um and really what they're doing is just trying to um fit obviously the electronics and make it so that the the light bends through the tube efficiently so um that may be exactly what that guy's noticing
0: Got another question here. It says, "Question on the Oh, glassing. by the way, yeah.
1: I, I might add, uh, pay attention to Leica because um, right now there's a five hundred dollar off instant rebate, and I would tell people to strongly watch the uh, the Leica uh, brand and especially go to GoHunt.com You know, over the next uh, five or six days, so so there's always good stuff coming. Nice.
0: So they can call you if they want to know more about that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Deal. There's, um, I mean, there's a, there's a $500 instant rebate right now. And, uh, and I, I just, there's, there's stuff being announced to us every day. And uh, so I just think people should pay attention and, and keep calling and keep checking the website. Awesome.
0: Got a question here on glassing. If you're hunting an area you don't know and have never scouted, how long will you spend glassing before moving locations? If you're not seeing animals, also, how much does the target species dictate the amount of time you're spending, such as if you're hunting mule deer, elk, or coos deer, does that change the amount of time you would spend in one location? So we've got two questions here. Yeah. Uh, if you're hunting in an area you've never been in, how much time do you spend glassing before moving locations? I'll tackle that one first. My first question before I saw the second part of his question was, what are you hunting? Yeah, what are you hunting? You know, if, if you're hunting elk, um during the rut i'm probably going to be moving more you know glassing hitting the open spots and and trying to hit those areas obviously if you're glassing coos deer right probably going to spend quite a bit more time really focusing in on certain areas specifically shade and you
1: know bedded deer and and that type of thing one of the things jay is that that i think is important to think too is like you know if you've done any pre-scouting to it what is the area known for so, right. you know, if, if, if I've done any scouting and everybody says that this is a great part of the unit or a great area, like in, you know, you sh- maybe you should see a bunch of deer a day that might dictate too you know, how long I sit in, in, and, and, and you know, kind of wait it out. But yeah, how much are you seeing, have you checked tanks? Are you seeing, you know, have you seen tracks in the walk? I mean, are, are you seeing, you know, scat? yeah, Your are buddies you told you that this yeah. is a
0: real high density deer area or right. high density elk area. Right. If you're not seeing something, then that would maybe lend you to move more and exactly. say, I just need to get into the pockets. Whereas if you know it goes to a second question where if you're hunting coo deer or mule deer that are smaller animals than say an elk, maybe you need to really focus in. I think that the part about spending time and how much time do I spend before I move, it's a gut. gut it it it's is a gut deal. You just what is your gut telling you? I think one of the things I have to fight is the grass is always greener on the other side. Right. Whereas half the time, if I would have just stuck it out, pounded it out for 30 more minutes, and and spent a little bit more time, I think I think half the time when I say okay, I'm done, if I said let's just spend 15 more solid minutes, right, that that's a good (laughs) rule of thumb.
1: Well, it's you know in. We have a common friend, obviously. You introduced me to him, and Blake Cannon, mm-hmm. who, who we had lunch with. Mm-hmm. And he texted me during the hunt. And, and, I, and I, I texted him back. I said, Hey, because he, he was basically asking the same question like, how long would you stick this place out? And I said, Well, uh, patience, patience, and patience. And I said, when you've run out of that, I said, may God grant you more. Yes. Because I said, he. I'm just telling you, like, I would stick these places out. It's just, That's just my feeling. And-, and and I think you can attest there's places that you know are good
0: because you've scouted it. This guy's saying he's never been. But let's take it a step further in places that you've hunted before and you right. know this area produces. Right. You know that there's good deer, or good bulls in this area. That's going to give you the confidence to be like, I just need to plan it here. I just need to sit. But one thing I also hit is sometimes changing your area of angle. Yeah. So that was the next thing. Move Move over 40, 50 yards, 100 yards, 10 yards. Sure. Maybe change. Look, you're up on a cone knob, turn and look at a completely different hillside and then come back to it. Yep. You know, I I think you can spend in most all areas a full day glassing in one spot and probably not see everything.
1: Well, and I hear it, you know, it's just in talking with the guys, you know, at the shop and whatnot, and you hear guys talk about mule deer versus elk. And and look, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm partial and biased to coos deer. And, you know, I, it, rather one's harder to hunt than the other. I, I think in general, one's harder to see than the other. And the bottom line is, is that that some people, if you know your area and you know that you're not seeing deer in the places you should typically see deer, yeah, maybe it's time to change vantage points. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I think you, you know, another example is I had another guy call and talk to me about you know like Southern Arizona versus you know Central Arizona mm-hmm. and and what in Coos Deer. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, and we were I was laughing because I was talking with another guy at the same you know pretty much around the same time, and we had just gotten off the phone with each other saying, I mean, like if you see three deer a day, some days in Central Arizona. Like I, some places it's I a consider that, a, that's a great day. Right. And if you saw a decent buck in there, that's an even better day. But if you go down south some places and you haven't seen 20, 30, 40 deer, like I'm starting to think like something's off. Right. So there's, you just got to, you kind of got to know the area in general what to expect.
0: Yeah. And another thing is you've got a glass with confidence. So if you're sitting in a spot and you are just not feeling it, Sometimes it is okay to just yeah. pack up your pack and say, I'm going to fresh country, go to another knob, and just, you know, that doesn't say that maybe you don't come back. But what I do see is I think people move, they walk too much, sure. they move too much, and they glass too little.
1: Well, and Jay, it's kind of funny. This is kind of off on a different tangent, but it makes me think of a good scenario for people. The truth is, is that there's a lot of guys that get online and everybody – you know, you see guys get bashed on because they're e-scouting or they're trying to get people's honey holes or whatever. Like, But I think that's a legitimate, broad question that if I were going into the new spot, I would say, hey, look, I don't want your honey holes and I, I literally just want to know. I mean, what, I'll take what, them if you what, give them. What, yeah, what am, I, what am I supposed to expect? Is right. this... You know, it, is this it, a five deer it, a day or, it, or is it
0: a 15 it, deer exactly. a day? Exactly.
1: Yes. And so I just, I think guys, that those are absolutely 100% purely, you know, especially if I'm helping anybody, I'm more than happy to tell a guy what I expect in an area. Right. And you know what? By the way, sometimes things change and places, you know, either get hammered or, you know, uh, if you haven't been in there in a couple of years, things change. Yeah. So you got to figure it out some way. This
0: is a question that doesn't really relate to optics, but I might as well just spit it out there. It says, hey, Jay, I've heard conflicting stories on where game and fish wants you. Arizona game and fish wants you to place the tag on your sheep. Uh, Sheep hunters used to always place the tag around the ram horn, but I hear they only want you to place it on the gameral. What's your experience with this? Thanks, Dan. Uh, I definitely want they want you to put it on the gambrel not the horn I've seen every year um, I actually incorrectly tagged a ram one time on the horn and was corrected and told to put it on the gambrel Uh, but yes they do want you to tag the gambrel whereas um, elk and deer they want you to tag the antlers Antlers. yep Um, so it is a little bit different I don't think it's a mistake that the game and fish is ever going to um, you know, I, you're I don't not think they get penalize. In
1: yeah, I, I think they would be more educational about that than they right.
0: would. Yeah, um, but definitely on the gambrel Okay.
1: And you know what, Jay? You learn something new every day. I didn't. I, I, that's the first time I'd ever heard that question yeah. asked or even thought about that. That's yeah, a good question for sure. Next question is uh, late
0: season elk question mark glassing tips question mark from Jesse. Uh, looks like Jesse Jordan. 85, um, deep bottom. Yeah. Go nasty. <laughs> think nasty, yeah, think, baby. Think thick and nasty. I just did. It's funny. I just did a podcast with, um, Justin Earhart this morning on late season glassing elk. So guys, um, I'm not sure which episode this one or, or that one is going to come next. I also did one yesterday with Pat McCarty of shadow Valley outfitters. And we talk extensively <laughs> about, uh late season good kid um late season elk glassing some of the advice that i would give are north facing slopes even more than um usual those those elk after the rut on late season are going to be in the nasty dark deep hidey holes they're gonna be in the thick timber they're gonna be uh in the manzanita they're gonna be in the thicker draws um you
1: know the canyons they want solitude. Yeah, they, they don't
0: want to be messed with. They want to be left alone. Um, another tip would be if you're, and I get a lot of questions, if you're seeing a lot of cows and raghorn bulls, you're probably looking in the wrong place. Exactly. Once you find a bull pocket where you're finding, you know, mature bulls year after year, you can probably go back to that same type of country or even that exact pocket, and those same bulls will be right there. Normally they want to have thick secluded north facing slopes so they have lots of shade. I get the question a lot. Well, what if it snows? What if it's cold? Elk don't get cold like yeah. you and I do. They always it, they're habitually routined. Their their pattern is to go to north facing yep. slopes. It uh, it
1: would t- it, it takes it takes real cold and real deep snow for them to change their you know their their, pattern. their, their main patterns right. and uh, especially if it's here in Arizona that you you might get that in the in the in the white mountains or some of the bigger country but a lot of the stuff that's like that central Arizona stuff it it takes quite a bit to change them up yeah and uh, you know we don't, don't have, have a migration th- no, no like people think we yeah, might I and mean, you know. have
0: to have seriously deep snow to have elk exactly. in this state migrate uh, I would definitely be glassing into the sun in the afternoon. That goes with deer, elk, yep. um, uh, those those animals for sure. Uh, we've got a V Varela underscore straight spotting scope or angled spotting scope. Pros and cons. You know what I find so funny about this question? Not funny. It, it, it's, a, it's a common question. I it's, think we get it every I time think it's we the do most- it
1: most asked question i get even uh, like at the shop too and
0: so i never get tired of answering it because it's one of those things if it comes up this common it just means that just we got to keep answering it because everybody asks the question so
1: and by the way before we start that whole thing again (laughs) it's not right or wrong it's just there's certain scenarios where one might work better than others yeah So I'll
0: give you my take, and then you can kind of play off it. Um, Personally, I like a straight spotting scope. Yep. The reasons that I like a straight spotting scope is I feel like my target acquisition is faster with a straight spotting scope. I typically sit down. I have my tripod legs extended out. I've got my binos on the tripod. I find something with the binos. I click the binos off, pop the spotting scope on, and can be looking right at my target.
1: I I think the thing that you need to like the, the thing to stop and explain to people, if you found something in your binos, what I generally try to do is in the, in the, in the circular field of view that I have, I try to put that animal right dead smack dab in the middle. Yep. And I will lock everything down on the tripod without distorting that, that position of the animal in the field of view. I will, very easily, un- undo my uh, my quick release. Yep. Slide the binos out, and very gently slide the you know the spotting scope in.
0: And the reason he's doing it gently, folks, is he does not want that image to move. He yeah, wants I, to be able to center the right. spotting scope and it be right where he left it. Yep, and that's and, important. And, and I,
1: I I always leave my my spotting scope at the lowest setting, so it's got the widest field of view. And when I put the spotting scope in the in the rails and lock it down, I, I would really tell you that probably ninety nine percent of the time I'm within at least within the picture, and and then I can zoom in and go, okay, there was that discerning marker, you know, I can see the bull in broad daylight, or you know, whatever it is. I, I, I just it it's it's just the timing of it. And Jay, we've been in these scenarios where. You know, we're hunting or I'm scouting or whatever, and you see a buck at very last light and the buck's moving over a saddle and you have to be able to tell, is that a buck we need to go back and look at? Or is it, was it just a small something? Right. And when, you know, when you're guiding or, you know, when you're doing that or helping someone, you have to be able to give them really good information. Right. So I think you and I both agree that when, I've always said that when you're killing, and, and it means, you know, that you're you're helping somebody, you're giving them good information. For me, target acquisition is always paramount. Right, and I want to go
0: back to the target acquisition. What Cody's talking about is having your binos and your spotting scope basically collimated, Yep. right? That's exactly. the right word. That, so when you go from one to the other, and that doesn't just happen overnight. You have to actually go out in the field and get your plates and get everything so that they're lined up well, correctly so that when you switch yep. from binos to the spotting scope, just like Cody says, they're centered in the binos. You pop the binos off. They're centered in the spotting scope. Then you go with your zoom. Sure. One of the points I think you make that's so important is that, and I do the same thing. I always take my spotting scope back to zero, basically to yeah, the low j- power, No different power. than you're doing okay? with a scope or anything else. So I go back to low power so yep. that every time I pop it up, it's on the widest field of view. Then it's, okay, there's the animal. Then I zoom in. I look at the animal, I assess the animal, and I instantly, it's just routine, I take the zoom ring, go back to the lowest power, I set it on my pack, and I put the binos, and I keep glassing. Yep. So target acquisition is huge. When you're sitting and you find a deer, if you start changing the angle of your body, if you start changing the angle of your eyes, which if you pop an angled spotting scope on, you either have to... Cool. Bring your body position up. up. Yep. You either have to lower or raise the center post, which most of the time is you have to lower it because of the angled spotting right. scope. So then you have to glass with your center post up three or four oh. inches so that when you find a deer, yep. then you have to lower the center post, drop it down. Well, guess what? That goes against... What you were saying about centering the object in your binos and being able to easily slide your spotting scope there. You are now lowering the post, which moves your left to right, Right.
1: as well as your up and down. Well, and and Jay, the the thing is, is that I think I've gotten feedback on this. People call in the shop or emails or whatnot. It's funny because some people like they literally like, do you really think about this this much? And the question is, or the answer is, absolutely. Because well, my, it, my answer it, would be too. We don't have to think
0: about it anymore because we it's what, routine. Well,
1: it's it. I mean, yeah, right. It, now it's just simply habit. It's right. just muscle memory, whatever you want to call that. But I, and I mean, look, the the object is, and people ask me this all the time, man. I, you know, like, do you keep doing this? Guys, this is what we like to do. I, it, all we're trying to do is help people be more successful, And be efficient. But you know? yeah, and not—I don't even care about the kill. But I'm just trying to help you find more game, right? And I think that this way that we talk about this is is good. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. There are times that a straight spotter. That because of the length of it, and 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 maybe you have to back away. I'm not going to tell you that looking through a straight spotting scope is the most comfortable spotting scope to look through. I agree, hundred percent. But I'm going to argue with somebody on this. Somebody's there's always somebody wanting to do this. Yes. I don't look through my spotting scope that much. Like maybe fifteen percent of the time. Yeah, or less. Or less. Yeah. It's just depending on what we're doing, but
0: it's more of a. Find it with the binos, classify right. it with the spotting scope, Confirm yank it. the spotting scope off, go back Phone to the scope binos. It, do, right. I mean,
1: do whatever we're doing, but then if, if we've discounted that animal or whatever we're doing, it's back to the binos and back looking for another one to do the same thing. And just, it's just rinse, wash, repeat at that point.
0: Right. And so... And, and I would say that, you know, what blows me away is I'm so adamant about a straight spotting scope, but there's people that will argue with me till I'm blue in the face. And that's fine because that's their prerogative. They get sure. used to their own routine. But I would tell you if I was teaching someone from scratch, there's no ounce in my body that would tell them go angled. Every bit of my belief would be
1: yeah, absolutely
0: I mean- go straight spotting scope for the purpose of quick target acquisition and not having to shift your position
1: well and, and look if if you're I mean I've had guys call and the, and all they do is they shoot at the range
0: well totally different're t- t- t-
1: t- totally different deal right.
0: or but that they're a sheep hunter and they're always looking up and that's fine I get too it. I we totally I get it, it.
1: I, and I'm I will tell you that I I forced myself to use a, an angled spotting scope for a year so that I at least could say, I've done this. And while I was pretty good at it and, you know, I could look on a mountain and move the, you know, the the spotting scope over and I could be generally where I wanted to look. I wasn't as good as if it was with a straight. Right. But I'm not going to lie, it, it was pretty comfortable.
0: Yeah. The other thing, too, is when you're digiscoping with a phone scope or whatever I, you're using, agreed. having the angled, the way that the phone with the weight sits down yep. on, the, on the ocular, yep. it does tend to work better. So, I mean, if you're doing it, I do a ton of digiscoping through a straight, but I would argue that if you're if you're, doing, you know, if you're birding, if you're doing tons and tons of phone scoping, having an angled is not bad at all i would say that from a a western hunter that is hunting deer and hunting elk and hunting antelope and sometimes you have to make an executive quick decision (laughs) that has to be right and correct and fast right speed matters yep and from my perspective using an angle i am not as fast i'm twice as slow using an angle now over time, if I worked on it more, could I get faster? Yes, but I would argue that even if I used it for five years, I would still always be I, faster with the yeah, straight. I totally agree. And and I get, when I go off on this, because I'm so passionate about my belief in straight, I get people saying, well, do you know that these companies sell more angles sure. than straight? I'm Yeah, absolutely. I know, but I think a lot of that is because people aren't educated to well, doing it how- we do it, and it's then people say, "Well, do you think your way is the only right way?" No, but I believe I'm pretty the, confident the, that the, some of the best guys that I know use straight.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is is that that stat is heavily skewed. Let's say because the birders, for the most part, by angled. Right. So it skews the numbers. So so it skews. I mean, you know, we're not talking about hunting. We're talking, but. But even so, because, and I know this, because the, the typically the birders are not using their binoculars. They're using them handheld, but they're not using them the other way around. So uh, I would just sum this up by saying, you know, our thing is, is that we appreciate the straight and get more out of it than an angled. Right. I'm 25 minutes in and my heart rates are. I know. Up. What's up I with know. that? You've got to settle down a little bit. Um.
0: This is from George Warner too. How do you keep your eyes from getting fatigued and
1: tired during hours of long glassing? Tripod, tripod, tripod. That's first. Um, I think if there's one single thing that will ease your, um, is, is putting them on a tripod and keeping them still. That's one. Um, I think that you have to consider uh, it, when you're glassing, are you being affected by wind you know, you can use bino bandits. Um, are you being affected by? Um, are you being affected by ambient light coming in and and you know doing that to you? I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Like I'll say this: um, I see a lot of pictures, and I don't. I'm in no way, shape, or form telling guys not to use certain products. But when I see, I'll just call it gear. Hanging off of an optic, straps, um, covers, eye cups, uh, objective lens, whatever it is, anything that you're letting the wind flap around in, vibrate. I don't care how you say it; it's affecting your eye because your eye, every time that 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 glass shimmers, your eye internally. It's a muscle and it's it's causing it to work. Yeah. So by the end of a day, if you've kept your binos less still than the guy next to you, the guy next to you is going to win. Well, and I'll also add to, it's just a fact, if you glass
0: through higher quality optics well, that, was that my give next, you a yes. brighter, Couldn't cleaner agree more. image that you don't have to squint you don't, and it's just yep. a solid image, your eyes, you're going to be able to do it for much longer. That's one of the reasons why I always recommend people, and you do too, buy the best binoculars you can afford one time rather than buy and buy and buy. Sacrifice for one great pair of binoculars and buy those.
1: Well, my, 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 I don't know, I, I almost glorified myself there for a second. The statement that I've always said. And I continue to say, and I don't know if I was the first guy to use this exact phrasing or not, but here, here it goes: buy the best glass you can afford, put it on a tripod, and slow down. Mm-hmm. If you'll do those three things, you will minimize, mitigate, and 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 make it less, you know, uh, wearing of your eyes. Mm-hmm. Period. So, and you know what? I'll say this. Hey, if you know you're susceptible to stuff, take a nap.
0: Yeah, or pull your eyes out and pull, look around and just yeah, let your like eyes. Yeah, like get them, get yeah.
1: them reset. And, yeah. and by the way, there's nothing wrong with, with taking Visine with you. Clean them out and, and you know, I mean, there's none of that's bad.
0: Next question is alexandre.viau, V-I-A-U, hunt high country mule deer and elk. I already have ten by forty two EL Sorovskis and Sorovsky STS wide angle sixty five. Okay. Here's the question. Fifteens or STX sixty five and BTX. Well So it sounds like he's thinking of possibly upgrading and he's wanting to know if fifteens or STX.
1: You know, there's a couple scenarios there to think about. Um, and 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 my first inclination is to say if you're hunting high country mules, mule, muleys, or or elk, I, I'm always thinking about starting to shave weight. Yeah. And there's a combination in the, that works between the tens, 15s, and and the uh, uh, the STX sixty five. Um, I know guys that use the 10 by 42s and the STX 65, and they're very successful. And I think it depends on the look you're going to have. And I think if you know where you're going to be and you, you either need the 15s or don't need the 15s, um, I, I think that there's a, a relationship to say, or I shouldn't say a relationship, but there's a, a balance there to say, God, if you know you're really looking at a far place and you're going to spend a lot of time searching, throw the 15s in but if a guy's going into a basin that he knows not a big long look and it i mean yeah he might spend some time looking in the brush but pe- i think people underestimate how valuable uh, a set of tens at a spotting scope could really truly be yeah so i i and and, and i'm not in and, and by the way i'm not discounting the btx and the 65 or you know any of that because there are people that if you hate looking through a spotting scope, well, the BTX and the 65 is a pretty good option. But at the same time, I use the BTX and the 85 or 95 mainly because I want to scout and look at big country and look for pockets of animals. So I, for that scenario, I would use them differently and I would be... I would be leaning towards like tens and a spotting scope to, you know, to cut weight. And only if I was going to have some big looks, would I, would I, would I put the 15s in? Yeah. And I mean,
0: I would ask this guy, you know, how much high country, how much hiking, how much weight savings do you have to do? Because a BTX way up in the high country looking above, you know, high country timber up or above the timber, if you will, um, above tree line, that's what I was looking for. You know, can be phenomenal because you could be glassing out there three, four, five miles up on some of those peaks and just catching this big buck glinting in the sun. Yep. And the the weight factor of carrying that BTX in there is worth its weight in gold when you spot a giant. So, but I do agree with you on the fact that elk and mule deer typically are easier to see. Right. They're bigger animals. You can do a lot of damage with tens. Um, you know, I'm coos deer hunter. At heart, I love the 15s. I pretty much glass with the 15s on a tripod everywhere I go. There are times when 10s on a tripod are phenomenal when I'm close in range, want that extra field of view. But primarily, I'm always typically reaching for my 15s. I had the Swarovski 12s for a long time and love them. But it seems like I always went to the 15s. Yeah. That extra three By power, for whatever reason, I would just gravitate towards
1: those. But it's also where I'm hunting. Right. By the way, Brady um, uh, thinks that we're always bagging on his 12 powers. And and Brady J. Miller from Go Hunt, uh, we love you. The savage beast we, that yeah, he this, is. The, the savage beast that he is. We love you. And we're not bagging on your 12s. We just sometimes think the 15s do it a little better in, in in certain scenarios. Well... But guys, but 12s can be... Look... For the it, right it, scenario, it, they're it,
0: phenomenal. It, it,
1: this is the best part about everything that we're talking about. We have choices right. now. It, it, it used to be the, just the 12s, a 10
0: power binocular and maybe you had a spotting scope. Now you have yeah. 10s,
1: 12s, 15s, BTX, twin uh, spotters. Leica... I remember talking with people, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago about the 1250 BNs that Leica used to, made, used to make. And maybe before the ultra vids, before any of that. And people were like, oh, you you know. And it, I mean, man, the 12s, I mean, got Robin Bechtel of all people, God rest his soul. Um, he's the one who, who showed me about 12 of 50s. I didn't even know I, I didn't even know th- such a thing existed. I thought I knew something, but he, you know, he said, "Cody, you got to look through these." And, and you know what? He was using them for a very specific thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, I it just is what it is. Next so.
0: question is uh, D Need eighteen. He says, uh, "When spotting into a valley or basin, do you start close, then far, or opposite, and why?" Well, I'm glad Dar's not here because he'd be like. Psh. I know the answer to this one for Jay. Um, He always says, I sit down he's like, you sit down and you look at the absolute forest hill, the furthest (laughs) hill away from you. And why, why do you start so far away? I said, I don't know. I'm a grass is greener on the other side. He goes, we just spent an hour hiking up here and now you want to look three miles away on some other hill. And it's just my nature. But to answer your question, efficiently the best thing you can do is get to your glassing point with your tens around your neck eights around your neck whatever you're carrying or in your in your chest um your bino harness whatever you're carrying and
1: and don't even go to the tripod. Just right. do a
0: quick scan, anything I, within I'm, a couple hundred I, yards. I'm just...
1: looking for obvious movement. Right. I'm looking for escape routes, and I'm looking for the the obvious place that you think they would be. The,
0: the big buck that's standing at 150 yards, <laughs> he's in the crouch position, and he's in the sneak mode, and he's looking over his shoulder, yep. where if you're sitting there farting around with your tripod and getting it all set up, that buck's gone. But you pop up your 10s, your 8s, and you catch that buck, and he's yep. a shooter, you just rifle over the pack and you can shoot that exactly
1: well and here's the other thing um if you're with a partner let them i always let dar scan or you scan and i'll go but that's the thing is is that that you know if you've uh, i i know i've I've told this scenario you know in when i've done seminars and everything but it it really does work if you've moved through a saddle or whatever and you're kind of going left and right and going to get on the face and get into a good glassing spot um the first guy through does all that quick scanning while the other guy is, you know, getting settled and getting his tripod out. And then, you know, as, as that guy is, is set up now he's looking and the other guy's getting here. So, I I mean, people laugh at it when you say you're kind of doing something like a, you know, like a spec spec ops, you know, but it really is. If you've kind of coordinated it, it really can be quite effective.
0: Well, and and you say special ops, but it's like I I approach this, and I talked about this yesterday on a podcast. I approach this as if they're shooting at me. Right. I approach this. I'm not a a military guy, but I approach this, and I've been told that I approach some of this stuff like a military guy would. Like you pop up to a glassing point. You don't just pop up and skyline. You creep over, and you're hitting it going – Where's the guy that's going to shoot at me? Okay, I've got this cleared. Now I can go to but, my tripod and my 50. But that's the whole and thing. 15th. Like
1: when, when I, in, we don't have to get on on a tangent. But when you walk up through a saddle, like I don't walk right through the. I try not to walk right through the middle. Have some cover. But you know, stay to the left or stay to the right. Get in and out of the skyline quick. Right. But if I mean, but I've watched guys walk right up through the middle of a saddle, dump themselves into a basin. And all of a sudden, you're what you're. You're watching them because it's. I'm not trying to laugh, but they've literally just announced to everybody because they put their tripod on the longest, and they stand right in the middle of the saddle and walk around and proceed to go back and forth. And I'm like, I, I, man, you've just told, oh, you've just told every deer in the planet. And by the way, if you're hunting coos deer and you do that, good luck. And you've broke you in. You're within two, three, four hundred yards. You have just, I, I, my personal opinion, you just lost. Yeah, you've lost. And I've, I've, seems like every year when
0: I'm guiding Couser clients in Mexico, I've got to have the conversation of we're gonna sneak up to this glassing point. And I mean, when we sneak up there, I don't want you standing up on the rock you're gonna glass from and going, "Wow, this is a great look," because it's <laughs> happened. I mean, I'm creeping and sneaking and getting up there, and a guy will just start popping his tripod like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> this is a good look, Jay, in that voice. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I don't know where we got off on that money no. trail, but, yeah, but but to go back to this guy's question. It, when I first get to a glassing spot, I'm looking at the obvious quick. then I'm popping my tripod right. up and then I'm gonna start scanning. And for probably the first 15 minutes, 10 yep. to fi- five to 15 minutes yep, I am power scanning and I'm starting close in rifle range any deer that might be trying to get away any deer that might yep. be just a gimme and then I'm just scanning, scanning, scanning fast, fast, fast on my tripod. Escape routes? obvious. Yeah. And, Open and, saddles, and, uh, peep, exactly yellow grass. Then I'm moving to the next ridges right. over and I'm scanning. So for the first five to 15 minutes, every time I get to a new knob, I'm scanning close, further away, further away, further away, farthest away. Then I'm like, okay, start back over. Exactly. Now I'm going to start going slow. And that, Yeah. Get methodical. Because how many times have you gotten to a glassing point? It's perfect timing two ridges over there's a buck chasing does that if you would have been slow and methodical you'd have never seen them yeah so the first five to fifteen just i mean power scanning and wiping you know yeah, exactly wiping the canvas clean is like what i would call yep. it trying to pick up those obvious things yep hopefully that helps so yes i would lean to looking close fight the urge to look far like i do i i've been known to sit down and see something five miles away and it's like we just got here we don't even know what's between here and five miles now we got to walk all the way over
1: there yeah the tangent by the way that we got off on was just like when you get into a new spot sneak into it don't just announce that you're there right it's just Everybody, you know, they'll figure it out. But
0: a good rule of thumb is pretend like those deer that you're after or those elk that you're after are going to set up on a tripod and shoot at you. Yeah, I like that. If you think of it like that, you're going to act differently. Uh, Antlers, fins, and fur. How much does your tripod weigh? Well, that's a question I probably should have looked up. Uh, I use the Slick 733. Uh, I use the Slick 634. Well,
1: Um, here's what I can tell you. The 733 and the VA-5 are exactly uh, – last time I – exactly four pounds.
0: Okay. So to answer your question, most tripods are going to weigh anywhere from two and a half to five pounds with the head. If you go with some of the bigger, heavier-duty tripods and heads, you're probably going to go over that. But that's why I like the slick carbon fiber tripods.
1: They're so light. My – and there's – and, and look, here's I, I kind of use this framework all the time. I use two different tripods. I have a tripod that's almost always in my bag. Yep, that, I do that's too. a lighter weight. I do, too. Rig, and, yep. and they both have the same heads, by the way. That's the 634 for me. Yep, okay. And then I, I, I also have, you know, I use some of my 055s for the bigger, long-range, like, I need things to be still, steady. You know steady. it's going to be windy, too. Yep, you, you might take it, the it. Exactly. Um, so, I always have two tripods. And I will tell you that at my heaviest tripod, I'm in that five and a half, five to six range. I'll just leave it at that. And on my lighter weight, I'm always in that three-pound range. And, you know, I've, you know you, I'm i always toying and testing stuff. But you have but, different center posts. You have yeah, different combinations. Exactly. So... Um, so I just would say, as a general rule, when you get below a two pound tripod, you're really going back to that guy's question about keeping your eyes you know and fighting you know to keep them steady. I think you're you're pushing yourself because at that point, even when you touch it with your hands, it you can constantly feel it moving. So I it's just, better than nothing, yeah, but you get any wind or
0: vibration at right. all. you're basically defeating the purpose of even carrying it. Go yeah. with a little bit heavier tripod that you can use even in windy conditions. I mean, I've used those Slicks 733 and 634
1: in lots of wind. I think they're one of the best balances out there. Right.
0: Um, this comes from, man, my eyes are not as good as they used to be. No, uh, I'm thinking you need readers. Eallinvi, eel- E-A-L-L-I-N-V-I-I. Looking for the right upgrade to my 30 odd six, 1200 or less, function heavy U Rock. So, thanks for the U Rock part. Um, yeah, function but... heavy, 1200 or less. I assume he's talking about rifle scopes. I'm
1: assuming rifle scopes, and he's 1200 yards and less. Um, yes, the. The, the aught six will do those yardages. They used to be used in thousand yard shoots all the time. Um, or does it mean twelve hundred dollars or less? Oh well, he may well. Yeah, well, now that I've think I think about how you read that, it, it might be twelve hundred bucks and less. Right, man. Thirty look, odd six I, would typically I, not yeah, be known I, I, as a long range. There, there, there's, there's a couple scopes that come to mind immediately. Um, the the V fours from Zeiss. Um, great, scope. you know, lockable turrets, uh, great scopes. You got four to sixteens and six to twenty fours in all in that nine hundred and fifty to to twelve hundred dollar range with illuminated. Um, so I would really look really strongly at those. Um, there's actually a uh, free turret um, uh, going on right now with the the the, the V 4s So I think that's a good thing to take up from Kenton uh, or offered by Zeiss from Kenton. Um, the uh, the VX five. Uh, those scopes um, are going to retail right at the, what, 949, uh, the, you know, you, you're, you're talking 3 to 15 by 44. Um, it's got a lockable turret. Uh, it's two revolutions. Um, What's the manufacturer? Excuse me, loophole. Okay. I'm sorry, I, if I did not say that, I, my apologies. Uh, yeah, Leupold, uh 3 to 15. And, um, you know, I would look uh, another one. That um, I think we can get you in the the the, the that twelve hundred dollar range, uh, like a four to twelve by fifty uh, Z three from Serovski, mm-hmm. uh, three and a half to eighteen uh, by uh, forty four Z five Uh Although it, it's going to be in that twelve twelve ninety nine. Yeah, I mean there, there's plenty of options to get him in a really good scope. It's got really good glass and a lot of function for, for that 1200 If if that's if he if he I hope he meant 1200 bucks.
0: Guys, um, you can simplify a lot of this too, and we appreciate the questions. We're happy to answer them, but understand that Cody does this every day. Uh, make sure to give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, extension 2. You can also send him an email at optics at gohunt.com, but Cody truly sits on the phone all day and answers these types of questions so make sure to reach out we'll continue to answer all of these questions but you can always reach out to Cody uh, for that okay the next question is uh, speed strength speed and strength university uh, would you glass for desert mule deer in the shade just like you do coos east and northeast slopes One of the things, uh, I almost said one of the things, speed, that you need to understand. Exactly. (laughs) One of the things that you need to understand, sir, is that the desert mule deer typically are going to live on the desert floor. They're going to live in the roly-polies. They're going to live in the ironwood-choked, palo verde-choked, sandy-bottom washes. You know, we've got units 41 and 42 and... 37a and and you know even their units 20s around phoenix where they live in the The, rollies foothills they They. sometimes live in the absolute flats sometimes they're using their shade as a big ironwood thicket big um palo verde thickets yep so maybe not as much like a coos deer that's gonna spend a lot of their time on northeast facing slopes that might be a big um elevation change which right. gives them a lot of shade. Typically desert mule deer are going to be more using a saguaro cactus's shade, right. a prickly pear, a big prickly pear forest of cactus, you know, yep. that they get on one side and they that's their shade all day. So the thing I think is yes, if you do have shaded little hills and stuff there, you'll find deer on the north and northeast slopes, but sometimes these mule deer and most of the time the desert mule deer are going to be on the north or northeast side of a Palo Verde tree. They're going to be on yeah. the north or northeast it, side it, of a sorrel cactus it, or a bush of it, some sort.
1: And I and I, I think a little bit has to go to, you know, what time of year it is. True. Um, you know, I remember, you know, a couple of Januaries ago, I was glassing for coos deer and I actually got in the truck and left and I was on my way out and I just kind of caught like a dark shadow off to my my left and I look over there and I'm like, holy cow. And it was a cold, cold day. I mean, one of those cold, cold days. And well, cold for Arizona. B- well, like I like mean, maybe a high of forty five. Yeah, but I mean, but it was I mean, it was in the it was in the Tees. you know, high it, well, it was well, it wasn't first in the morning. It was it was in the twenties. Okay. And and I look over and there's Mill Deer Buck just kind of chewing his cut. I mean, laying. just yeah. just but he's laying in the in the shade. Yeah. On the north side, but that was on one of the coldest days we'd had. Right. So, but I've also seen that same scenario and seen a, a buck just lay down right out in the middle of the sun and, yeah. and sun himself for. So I, I think you need to at least kind of maybe think about what time of year it is. Yeah. Well, but I would agree wholeheartedly on the on the foothills. Um, you know, especially in the desert country, I just. I can name the deer on one hand that I've looked up to the top, you know, like four or 5,000 feet and went, man, what's that mule deer buck doing right up there that that's, that just doesn't happen as often.
0: Yeah. And I think just a general rule of thumb, if you guys look in the afternoons in shady spots, whether that be shaded slopes or shaded brush and look on the shady sides, look on in the shade, you'll will, you yep. will find more deer period, yep. whether you're looking for mule deer or coos deer, general rule of thumb is look into the sun so your binos are facing into the sun in the afternoon and be looking for shade pockets specifically and you will find more deer yeah. whether it's coos or i agree or mule deer uh let's see our Marones uh underscore az hunt 93 what tripod setup do you have and what's the price range so the tripod the two tripods that i run the most are a slick 733 with a sure va5 head and a slick 634 with the sure va5 head those are the two tripods that i use you can cover the price range uh the one 733 that i've had i've used it for like 15 years yep and it still works just fine and everything is is good i mean it still works perfectly fine
1: well and i've you know i mean i didn't use slicks before the last couple of years and i mean I, I i used them and played with them and i know that you've always used them but the more and more i sell them and the more and more our customers are using them i i mean i've seen some guys that have just taken out and just abused them which i don't i don't abuse any equipment on purpose right it gets used but, hard but but the guys i know they're using them hard and they just keep calling going hey man i just you know, I can't believe this just did this, but man, it's, it's, you know, keeps on ticking. Yeah. So, um, look, you're going to be in that, uh, that 250 plus or minus, depending on the, on the, uh, the 634, 733. Mm -hmm. And then the Sue Ray head is the, is 165, 90 or 164, 90. So, um, guys, I want to point out too the
0: Sue Ray V8, five head, um, is absolutely phenomenal. And for the price point, Cody, I cannot believe that it's as smooth and it's as durable and it's as stable as it is. You know, yep. someone that's used the 701 HDV for a long time, it's discontinued. Well, uh, I, someone that uses 701 RC2, and now you've got the Sure VA5, and it is a
1: smooth. I, I know people say, well, not everybody, but people will say, well, you sell those. That's why. And I'm like, look, but guys, you can sell anything you but, want. But no, but I, I can sell anything I want. I can bring in anything I want. Right. And by the way, I'm not bound by any contract to use what I, I'm not. But if you go out in the garage right there and look at my tripod stable, I've taken heads that I've used and trusted for years, and taken them off and put those on. Yeah, it's. it's I've got a 701 HDV that's. Brand new that, and you and I have talked about this, and I know Dar that I think that that's one of the greatest heads made of all time. Right, I agree. And and one that literally has been mimicked and copied. Right, which is awesome. This one's, but smoother. I'm telling you that for 165 bucks, cheap, and the, the seven, it takes a lot for me to tell you that I have a 701 laying there in my desk. Yeah. I'm, I'm just – and by the way, it's Arca Swiss. Right. So I, okay. I just think it needs to
0: be, you know. Next question is uh, underscore Remy underscore May. Swaro 20 to 60 or 25 to 50 eyepiece for ATS 65. Uh, okay. Any differences besides a few feet of field of view?
1: Well – um, yeah, the, 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 eyepiece actually has got the field. Fl- it's actually the, the way the lenses are made or they're ground different. Now this is ATS, yeah, right? This yeah. is the, this is the, 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 the older. older series. Right. And, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great deal. Now I'm going to say this scenario and I'm going to tell people that this is what works for me in the 65 model. I prefer the 25 to 50 eyepiece I do too um, now I, I know that it, it, there's about a $300 price difference in that eyepiece with the 25 being with, more with, yeah with the 25 being you know more expensive and I, I I'll basically leave it at this I think that the 25 being that you have that wider field of view I'm not so much concerned with the bottom end on that that spotting scope is I am that what you it's not what you gain on on the difference between a 65 and an 80 right but when you go to the 60 power on a 65 I, I turn it back down to I 45 do or 50 anyway you just can't and quite get I enough. think that that 50 power that 25 to 50 eyepiece is better at that 50 power than the other eyepiece yeah and and, and Cody,
0: I use the obviously the, the STS, yep. the straights, and yep. the twin spotters, and it's got the 25 to 50. And when I'm on full 50 power, it's pretty stinking
1: it, good. It, it, well, and that's, and I think that, and you've done it before too, when you just turn one eyepiece up and look real quick. All the time. And look, I, you know, when you max out a spotting scope, there's very few spotting scopes that I'm like, oh, well, that's that's pretty good. You know, I mean, that the, the ATI, I mean, or the, the, well, any of the 95s, well, I remember the first day you called me from the field and were like, I didn't know you could turn a spotting scope up that high and, 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 still, I mean, and still and still retain sharpness. that. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I just have always felt that the 65, now, can, on the flip side of that, if a guy's going with the 80, I, I don't have a problem with the 20 to 60. Right. That's the spotting scope by all, which you're, all you're others gathering, were more, measured, light you're gathering the... more light now. You're gathering more light, and it just does a really good job. So that's that's just my, my feeling on that. I like the 25 to 50 in a 65 for my, what I would consider a lightweight spotter.
0: Next question is from John DMTZ. He says tips for glassing trophy mule deer in mesquite country that's flatter with a few rolling hills. A couple things that come to my mind are um, get probably a, get used to glassing with 10 powers around your neck. Get used to being able to pop up on a little knob. Well, I was going to say, and, get, and, and get hammer, elevation quick. Yeah, hammer what you can, and pop up to another little knob or potentially find ridge lines that you can stay on the ridge line and work all the way down the ridge line, glassing left, glassing right off both right. sides. The other thing would be find those desert cone knobs where you can gain tons of elevation, yep. which is what I like to do in the desert is get up on a cone desert peak that may take you an hour to get up on and be able to look way out, miles and miles out. You look close, you look way out, but you can do 360. Right. So you're looking at those Ironwood, Palo Verde, choked draws exactly. where the deer are, and you've got tons of vantage. The challenge sometimes yep. is it's so flat, it's hard to get from the point you're on out to two miles to where the deer is, but that's where having a spotter it's comes It's funny
1: in. that you say that, because when you say that that desert cone – Like, it makes me think of Greg Krug. Yeah. Just pounding the desert mule deer. Yeah, with big binoculars. With big binoculars and just getting as much elevation and hammering them.
0: Yeah. The the thing is, you either go big and have to look really far... Or you go the other approach of going with eights or tens around your neck, yep. and even maybe even having your tripod legs extended, which I don't like standing much. But sometimes, if you carry your tripod extended with the tens on it, you can pop up on little points yeah, and ridge lines and just keep bouncing from crack. high point to high point. Um, that's a, that's a good strategy. Next question is Ron, or excuse me, Sean underscore Kolowski 95. Which spotting scope did you use on your dolls sheep hunt? uh would you use that one or different so i used I what the, did you use the 65 stx okay uh spotting scope because i felt like carrying an 85 or 95 i was trying to cut weight i felt like that was a great combination of of what i would need and i had tons of light on the the um northwest territories hunt because it never gets dark right the chugach hunt i did not have as much light but lance i knew had his 95 so that was another reason why the 65 was the perfect combination and guys Uh,
1: ask your guides what they're absolutely i mean talk to your guides and ask them what they're using and what you're bringing and find out as much it doesn't always work out this way but ask the questions because guys I get it all the time. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know what my guide's using. I call him up and ask him. Yeah, and the other
0: thing too is a lot of times, just like when I'm guiding, I want to take my spotting scope, and I'm always going to have my spotting scope. When you're talking Alaska, you're talking the Yukon, you're talking Northwest Territories on a doll sheep hunt, you might be able to not take a spotting scope. If right. you've already communicated with your guide and he says, I'm taking my Swaro 85 or my Zeiss, harpia or whatever, and and you know you're going to have, or, or whatever spotting scope right. it may be, and you can just cut out that entire amount of weight. One thing I learned with going doll sheep hunting, which is a little different from here, is I typically like to say, hey, I'm going to go glass off over here, and even tell my client, you go glass off over here. They like to stay close. They don't like venturing right. off. And you go here, I go here. So pretty much all the time I was next to my guide, whether it was Northwest Territories or Alaska, and they have their spotting scope. As long as they have a good quality spotting scope, I might even consider right. not taking one.
1: Yeah, they. Um, the thing is I was going to say about your STX and 65, so I get that question a lot is, hey, Cody, well, you know, if you had the choice between the older or the newer, and I'll say it. The 65... Okay, the 65 is not my favorite no. modular. Right. But I will tell you that with the new eyepiece... It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm telling you, you match that up against even the older 20 to 60 by 80, uh, you we might have a little talk about what, you, you know, I mean, space and weight, uh, you know, the the, the, the XTX is going to be a little heavier, but... Um, you know, I don't know, weight being equal, I, I'm, I'm going with the 65, you know, STX. I think it's a great combo.
0: Next question is um, Justin underscore the, ed, or the underscore edge, quality, lightweight, bino attachment, outdoorsman's, universal strap type, what do you use? I think there's a lot of great options. I think the Outdoorsman's Bino Adapter is a great option. I think that Bino Adapter that you have right there is a a great option by a new manufacturer. Um, I think potentially using the strap... Um, you know, I, I, know Brady Miller, I know Jason Carter, they use Lorenzo plus, does. They, yeah. a
1: lot of those. Like, like, they like
0: I, the ability to pop it in and off.
1: I, I worked at the outdoorsman's for, you know, what is seven years or whatever it was. And, and my time there was awesome. And I learned so much about, you know, different parts and connections and, and, and yes, the, the bino adapter and the studs, that, that is a great system and it works. Um, being now that I've done some different things, I've realized that there are people that really like to use the, the Swarovski, you know, strap mm-hmm. or the, the, um, it's called the UTA, mm-hmm. uh, 114 bucks. Um, great system. And, and it's it, adaptable. It, to several it, different it, binos. It's, a, it's adaptable pretty much to any bino. Right. So a, a lot of people like to use it just because of the word it's universal. You can put any strap, any bino in there except for like, you know, bigger poro prisms like the old doctors wouldn't right. work in it. But Um, Or Leica has their, what's called the Stabilite. Um, Again, that's a, I think you're, you know, you're still at that 115 range and, or 109, uh, it's actually 109. But the bottom line is, is that, guys, it's all about getting your binos on the tripod. So, um, you know, there's some, there's bino adapters that now are on, on, on Amazon. There's the Outdoorsman's, which, you know, the Outdoorsman's has a bunch of different uh, studs that you can use with different binos. They have an, a tall and a short bino. Um, you know, the, this. The, yeah, just, there's just a ton of stuff out there that you've got to go look. A lot of great options. I, I recommend
0: call Cody. He it, can go through the options with you, and he can help you find the right one.
1: And, and one of the things just to say about that, I, I don't know that I care as much about weight on those for stability because all i care about is getting the binos on there i'll i'll, I'll take the weight right once you start using those systems i'll take the weight next question is hunt.martin10 do you
0: ever grid with your spotter or do you locate animal first then use spotter to identify trophy size oh, that's easy so my answer to that would I never grid or glass ever, ever, ever with my spotting scope. I never. The, the Not only one time the, I do.
1: The only thing I'll ever do is if there's a slope that way is out way there. out there that I I know I've seen deer before. I will take a moment and and put Just my hit the slope. like. It, but, but we're talking like put it on the field of view, and and turn up the power, and I can I can scan with my eyes so to speak. Right. And and do a quick deal, but most of the time it is absolutely with the binos, and then back it up with the spotter.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, NM Bowhunter seven twenty seven. says top three all around
1: range finders. Whew. Um, you know, I, I guess he's not differentiating between compacts and right. and. Um, Look, I, I use, um, especially, you know, like right now, I've been using the um, the uh, Swarovski EL range. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that this question lends itself to... Uh, now, is it rangefinder or range finder binocular? He's well, saying range finder Yeah, and I'm, and I'm just going to talk about a few okay. of them that, okay. in my, my thoughts. And, and, and you can add in, Jake, because I know you've been using the RF lately. So, look, for what I do and how I hunt, because of the way my rifle is set up, um, you know, bottom line is, 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 is it's, it's real simple. The, the 100 yard, I have a hundred yard zero. My rifle shoots out to 675 yards. I just need real simple things. I need line of sight and, um, and I need the corrected angle. So for me, that works out really, really well. Okay. So um, because it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that say like the 3000 does or the Uh, the the HDB 3000 or the Zeiss um, RF so the Zeiss RF I know Jay's been using that a lot Um, it's Bluetooth compatible you load all your information onto the to the to the um, to the binocular and it basically does all your calculations and corrections and um, it's nice because whenever you download and and you know turn on the app and and do the um the updates on the app that that all goes into the binocular so there's some really good advantages there um as far as another rangefinder uh the 2400r from leica uh the um the 2800 uh from uh, loophole the tbrs those are excellent um you know we've gotten so much use and so many sales out of the vortex ranger 1800s um there's there's just some really good pieces out there and the beautiful thing about rangefinders is right now is without any question we've had more choices today than we've ever had and so um people ask me a lot about rifle hunting versus bow hunting i i tend to lend my my, my uh trust in you know for bow hunting i like to use compacts i do it because Um, I, they're close to my chest. I can make real quick movements to, to get a range and put it back. Um, for, for rifle hunts, I I like using the chest pouch in, in a, in a, in a binocular. I can mount the binocular on a tripod for longer shots, get more exacting ranges. Um, so really, I mean, there's, there's, there's quite a bit out there that, that'll do what you want it to do. And I, I just urge you to get, get behind it. I urge you to do the research and understand what they're capable of, Um, you know, and these are just the ones that I sell. There's others out there that are good quality pieces, and and we're working on some of that stuff on bringing it in, but um, it just takes time to get that stuff going. Did you mention that Vortex 4000? Uh, you know, I, I, well, I, I didn't because I've been using it. Um, It's pretty slick. Well, I know you and 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 Cordova been using it pretty much the whole time on the Out Six, and I have not personally used it in the field. I mean, I've played with it, and I know what I'll do. But, um, I I will be interested to hear what you guys say at the end of the you know the 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 season, and after you've had you know a bunch of time behind it. Um. I think it's a quality piece. It's got the razor glass in it, mm-hmm. um, and, and it 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 does everything um, that the eighteen hundred will do and more. Mm-hmm. So um, again, you got the Vortex four thousand, you got the Ranger eighteen hundred, you got the uh, the Loopold twenty eight hundred TBR. It's a, there's a sixteen hundred TBR, and then there's I a... I use the twelve hundred well, forever. Well, yeah, I mean, so you've got I mean, there's just so many options that we just didn't used to have. Right. Um, my personal favorite of all the compacts is the 2400R from Leica. Um, again, it's the line of sight and the um, and the angle compensation, um, and then the EO range I like for my rifle hunting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's I, I just I think there's a lot of options a guy can look at.
0: Next question: uh, Who underscore Scott five five nine best affordable head for glassing? I think we've already answered that the Suray VA5. Yeah, the blown the, away with yep. that head. Um, and
1: I and I'll tell you what I'll throw another one in there because I I get asked a, a lot about economic you know people need something less expensive or whatever. I will absolutely go. I will. I I think that this is one of the best values on the market. I think you get way more out of this than what can possibly be, and you and you have to go use it to understand. Right. I've also had some of the most experienced people and in the And he's holding a Sioux VA5. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I, I've literally had a, a, a lot of people that are experienced and been using heads and for a long time literally look at me and go, man, I just, man, that, that was a good find right, right. there. What was well, the other one you were going to manch- um, mention? The other one, if, if you're looking for something uh, that's more economical and uh, I, I really, you know, this, the old 700 RC2. It's pretty simple. It uses the the Manfrotto uh, 200 PL plate. Um, it's under 100 bucks. You can get a you know a Manfrotto tripod for you know the, the old 290 Extra series, which is kind of the originals that have been around forever. You know that's 155 bucks. So you know we can get you into a tripod for for less expensive. So if that you know matters to you, but um, my money's going to the one the uh, the the Subaru VA5.
0: Cody, one thing I think we need to mention is Go has got the Black Friday sale. It yep. started. Um, it's live as of the 21st it, here yep. of it is live of November, and there's a bunch of different products that are on sale. And the other thing to mention is that they are giving away a free elk hunt. So this is yep. a limited entry Utah elk hunt. That is correct. And it, for every $200 you spend, you get, you get you one get entry. entry. Now, you don't have to spend all 200 at one Entirement. time. Correct. You can spend some this y- week, you y- could spend some in early December. Yep. They're you announcing You can spend $100 now
1: yeah. and $100 in December and that counts for 200 bucks. You're going to get one entry. entry. Right. And or if you buy $2000 worth of optics or whatever, what is that? You're going to get that's 10 what, t- that's 10 entries. So, right. yeah, you're I mean it, it doesn't matter how you do it. Right. But for every $200 you spend, you get one entry. Right. So, you know, guys, I encourage you to go to gohunt.com. And by the up. way, you're going if you get drawn for that deal, you're you're going with uh some of the gohunt team. Right. And they're going to video it. Yeah, they're going to video the whole thing and I absolutely think that it's it, it's, it's a deluxe great, elk hunt. It, absolutely. You're going to yeah. be treated right.
0: Um, and people can call you also 702-847-8747 extension, extension two. two. That's gonna go right to Cody. You yep. can talk to him about the different Black uh, Friday sales. Uh, and Yeah, it's
1: going on through the fourth. Right. And uh, I, I just I think you guys ought to just pay attention to every day because there's there's new stuff coming up and there's emails going out and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but there's some really, really good values, and we're talking not just in optics, but in in uh, um, uh, in the gear shop. There's all kinds of gear that's that's on sale. So um, probably now is as good a time to any as to talk about the uh, the sale that's coming up. Yeah, yeah it's exciting. I, they, I didn't even know about yeah, it. It's me neither. Exciting stuff. Yeah, it was kind of a surprise. Tell us about. They it. They kind of laid us on us pretty quick. Um, Swarovski is doing a sale on the SLC 8x42s and SLC 10x42s. And I believe in my time, I don't think I ever recall those being on sale, except for maybe there was an anniversary sale a while back. And, uh... When does the sale start? The sale starts on, well, what will end up being... On the twenty sixth at nine oh one p.m. p.m. Pacific Standard Time is when that sale will kick off and go live. Okay. So um, you're going to have eight by forty twos and ten by forty two SLCs. I want to say it's a couple hundred dollar savings. It's a couple hundred bucks off. It's going to drop to fifteen ninety nine on the tens and in fifteen forty nine on the on the eights i can't even begin to tell you guys what a good value that is
0: so guys you heard it here first uh, yep get a hold of cody 702
1: 847 extension 2 uh, or optics at gohunt.com yep and we'll answer your questions if you got them um, but yeah it's uh it, it's going to be a good sale and i i mean a couple hundred bucks off that's that's, that's awesome that's big best or average spotting
0: scope for the money don't have the means to drop a lot on one. So he's looking for kind of an entry level spotting scope, the best entry level. What would be a you couple? Know, that you I'd, do I'd that?
1: have to kind of look at the, you know, the, probably the Viper series, you know, that, that spotting scope does a really good job in that, that level. Um, the, you know, there's 65s and 85s and, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I I would look really heavy at the at the uh, the Viper HDS. Okay. I think that's a great spotting scope for the money, and uh, I, I think you should you know can strongly consider that.
0: Cowboy Bruce asks, "Why do you use fifteen powers instead of a spotting scope?" That's kind of an. Well, I'm going to be honest. That's kind of a it's a different question yeah it's a, f- is, is he asking me why do i use 15s instead of a spotting scope i don't i use them both i use the 15s and the spotting scope i use the spotting scope to classify and verify what i've spotted with my exactly. 15s i
1: think it's a it, to me it's an efficiency thing because the 15s allow you to look at such a long distance with both eyes open comfortable on a tripod and then you're, again, I'm using, I'm literally using the, the, the binos 85, 90% of the time. And that's allowing me to find, you know, those those pockets of deer or movement or bedded deer or whatnot. And I just think it's an efficiency thing. I think it, if, if, if nobody's used them, God, beg, borrow, steal, <laughs> try to get out and use them because people really, until they've used them, um they just don't quite understand how effective they are and how well you can see things at, at those ranges. And I'm talking, you know, to thousand to fifteen to you know, two thousand yards and sometimes beyond. It's not un you know, it's not uncommon to to uh you know, see things at, at crazy distances with, with a set of fifteens. I'm thinking that, that answered his question.
0: You know, We've got a final question here. It says, it's kind of unrelated to optics. Uh, It's from Landon Boomsma. Have you ever tree stand hunted whitetail in what state? So I do have a quick funny story. Yes, (laughs) I have. Uh, Tree stand whitetail hunted one time. I went to Wisconsin. My wife is from Buffalo County, Wisconsin, which I was told at the time is one of the best counties in the country for big whitetail deer. Sure. Which now I've done more research and it truly is one of the best. Buffalo County, Wisconsin is known for giant deer. Yep. We went out there to visit her folks and this is years ago, 10 years ago or more, maybe 12 years ago. Um, so I thought, well, shoot, I'm going out there. It's Thanksgiving time. Uh, you know me, I'm like, maybe I can get a hunt in, see if there's anything close. <laughs> so I talked to this outfitter and he said, yeah, I, I can, I've got a spot for you. So I go out there having no idea what to expect um i mean this may go back 12 13 years ago anyway i buy all of the you know <laughs> every piece of gear you could get to sit comfortably in a tree stand and i get there and the guy says okay i'm we're pulling to this kind of field by this old barn and it's dark and he says you're going to walk so there's snow on the ground he says you're going to walk with your headlamp and you're going to walk along this fence row and you're going to keep your eye on the tree line on the right and there will be these little glow in the dark little stick-ons little on the trees on the trees oh, cat you eyes. follow it and you follow it until you find a 3 dot when you find the 3 dot take a right right there and then start following your dots all the way to your tree so I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a map guy, I'm, but there's no, like, here's your Onyx map. Onyx wasn't even out then, but no topo map, nothing. Right. Just follow the dots. So I'm like, well, I can do that. So I'm walking along, crunching in the snow, crunch, 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 get to the three dot, turn, go down, go down this little ridge, keep following. Boom. There's the, there's, I think it was a five dot is right where your tree's at. Boom. There's, okay. So. He says, when you get there, there'll be a string. Tie your gun to the string. And so when you get up there, you can hoist, hoist your gun up to you. So I'm like, okay. He's like, make sure the gun's unloaded. I'm like, yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a key point right there. Gun's unloaded. Tie the little string on. And, okay. Then I look and realize I've got my headlight on. And the, the, the tree pegs <laughs> are iced over. Oh, boy. And I'm thinking... And I'm not much for climbing in heights in the first place. I've never been in a tree stand. I do have a safety harness that, you know, he's like, you need to get a safety harness. So I went and bought one of those. So I start climbing up the tree pegs. I get up to the tree stand and I'm way up there, you know, for someone that doesn't climb very much and hasn't climbed since I was a little kid climbing trees. I'm way up in this tree. It's dark and I'm going on icy pegs. I've got every ounce of clothing that i could imagine on
1: looking like the michelin man look
0: like the pillsbury Doughboy, and i get up there and i'm trying to understand the pegs didn't go past the tree the the platform section it was like the last peg and like the platforms (laughs) way up here i'm like looking up and i'm looking at it and i put my hand up there and it's just iced over i'm like oh my gosh this isn't good so I get up there, and I'm looking, and, you know, I've got my headlamp on. It's still dark. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to go from my foot on the last peg and go up <laughs> onto an icy platform, which, by the way, the platform is probably only 18 inches across, and it's probably only 20 inches, 22 inches deep. Oh and boy. I'm thinking, this is – So I finally get my leg, and I stretch out, and I think, wait a minute. I'm going to put my, my – strap my – Safety harness on first, because this just doesn't look good. So I strap my safety harness on, so at least if I slip or fall, I'm not going to fall 30 feet. So I finally get up and standing on the platform, and I realize that, he says, when you get up there, there'll be a seat, and just fold it down. There's no seat. There's a metal pole thing that comes up. but The seat's gone. (laughs) So now so, I'm up in this tree stand. It's dark. I'm standing on a icy platform. There's no seat. Oh, boy. And I'm, it's starting to get gray light. And I'm thinking, well, what, I'm going to climb down now because there's no seat? I said, no, surely maybe I can just stand up here for a while, at least for maybe the first hour. And maybe a deer will come by and I can shoot it standing. So I go, okay, oh, I got to get my gun so i reach down i look and i realize that the string is tied not high up you know like like head high where you can just reach over and grab the string the string is tied to the tip of the platform (laughs) so i've got my safety harness on and i go to reach down to down by my feet because it's tied on the platform
1: oh boy
0: and now I can't reach it because my safety harness is holding me so I have to loosen my safety harness finally get my hand under the string (laughs) but I've got everything I own on so I've got you know 14,000 layers and now believe it or not so picture it's tied down by my feet I can't I'm holding on so I don't fall out of the tree with my with my left hand I'm trying to get some leverage on the rope to get some momentum to start pulling it up right right you would think you could just deadlift, yeah. but you've got that much string. It's actually pretty heavy. So I start kind of crinkling it in my fingers, and it's cold. It's icy. You know, the, the string is iced over. And I'm trying to get some leverage where I can then use two hands <laughs> to pull it up. So finally I get where I'm two-handing pulling my gun up, and it gets about halfway, and I feel the string just go weightless. And I hear clank, 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 clank.
1: Ooh. That's not a good sign. And my gun anywhere.
0: clanked down the pegs and the tree. A squirrel or something had bit, we guess, the string, the and little just, small rope, it, it, and, and, and disintegrated it. Oh, God. So now I'm, like, kind of upset. I'm like, I don't have a tree seat, nothing to sit in. Now my gun's down there on the ground. Now I have to get out of this, it repeat the whole looks process, like and climb dirt. down there. <laughs> It's getting gray light and I hear shooting going on all around and people are like, oh yeah, first opening day of Wisconsin deer season or Saturday, I think it was a Saturday, Saturday of deer season, it's like a dove shoot because you can buddy hunt in Wisconsin. We can go four of us and I can shoot all four deer for us. Oh God. You can buddy hunt. So if you run into a herd, you can shoot them all.
1: So four tags, four deer, doesn't matter.
0: So I go, okay, so I go climbing down this tree. I I had a little backpack. I'm like, I'm not going back up there. I'm just done with this whole thing. So I climb down the tree pegs and I get my gun and I look and I'm like, everything looks okay. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit here at the base of the tree. So I sit there for about an hour and after about an hour, I said, I hadn't heard or seen anything other than shooting all around. So I walked back, went to the field, came to the barn and the guys, what are you doing? I told you not, you're going to sit there all day. I said, buddy, I followed your directions. I got to your tree. I went up the pegs. I got to your tree seat, and there's no seat. Then I went to pull my gun up, and a squirrel has eaten a string, and the gun fell. I said, there's got to be a better place for me. So that is my Wisconsin deer hunting story. So- I
1: have sat in a tree stand exactly once. I did it on the kaibab on an early hunt. And I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't exciting, but I've never done it again since. I mean, I think there's
0: times when tree stands would be awesome. I think there's some elk wallows and stuff that oh, you can have a lot of fun.
1: I think but, it would be amazing. And
0: I know people are going to say, come hunt Midwest with me. We'll do have a better experience. And if that was just my one well, experience with tree stands, I've hunting. got
1: a standing invitation to a friend of my dad's. I can come any any season that I have available that, You know, I can go back to Missouri and I, I, like, I want to go. I just haven't found the time and, and just had been able to go do it. But some of the bucks they kill, holy smokes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, this is in the very Northeast corner of Missouri, you know, that, Yeah. they they call it that tri-state of Iowa and, and uh, and what is it? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. There's that tri-state, whatever they call that. And it's right there in that country. And some of the bucks that they kill are absolutely gargantuan. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're just, ugh, man, they're and they're big deer.
0: Guys, um, thanks for listening to our stories. Um, hope we were able to answer some of your questions. I want to encourage you guys to get a hold of Cody at 702-847-8747, extension 2. He is working hard and I'm pushing hard to get him to be extension 1. But he is still extension 2.
1: Still extension 2 and, and like it.
0: And he likes his position there. So like make it. sure you reach out to him. Optics at GoHunt.com uh, Guys, don't forget the Black Friday sale. Don't forget to Keep. uh $200. Get you an entry yep. into that elk hunt. Uh, it's going to be a great opportunity. Keep checking back at GoHunt.com for the new releases of things that were going on sale every day. Uh, and it's just a great promotion that they've got going on. We really appreciate you tuning into this podcast. If you have any more questions of me, you can go out to my Instagram, at jscottoutdoors. You can direct message me. You can also send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I appreciate you guys' loyal support, and we're going to do more of these Q&As, so I look forward to it. Cody, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having us. I get so many... people. As a matter of fact, I have one right here that I'd like to read to you. I don't know if you saw it. Um, just an awesome... He says, no question, but I wanted to extend a thank you for the podcast and advice on glass. I got a pair of 10 by 42 SLCs from Cody at Go Hunt this summer, and they absolutely made a difference when stalking in and ch- uh, chasing deer in the western South Dakota. I was skeptical of the difference from my Vipers until I had them in the field, and I immediately was able to tell the difference picking out such small things like ears and antler tips. I uh, see that I don't think I would have had easily before. Uh, Cody does an awesome job. Thank you so much for introducing me to him. I get messages like this every day, if not multiple times a day. So I really appreciate you taking the, the white glove service that you give to the customers, all the customers, not just the J. Scott Outdoors listeners, but all yep. of the customers. It's a testament to who you are. And, 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 you know, you've been a great friend. I was in your wedding. Uh, but it's how you've always been. And so it's nice to see you as, you know, this guy when I'm getting messages, I'm wherever I'm at. And it's Cody's taking care of me. Cody's taking care of me. Cody answered my question. Cody went above and beyond. And uh, guys, I just want to tell you, that's the type of guy Cody is. And I honestly get multiple messages daily about the service that you give. So I just want to hats off to you for that. Well, thank Thanks you. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Kind of um, choke up on feel good on that yeah, one. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, so I appreciate it. Just, just
0: keep it up, keep the pedal
1: down, and I know you guys are just doing great at Go Hunt. Just tell those customers keep keep checking the website. Keep, I mean, there's sales and there's stuff you know being released and and you know depending on the vendor and depending on you know, certain things is, you know, there, there are certain release dates for all of them. So just keep checking the website, keep looking at your emails, you know, check all that stuff out because it's changing daily. So, um, but yeah, there's sales going on. Literally. I, I, I think it's the fourth and, uh, um, and some absolutely smoking deals. So, um, I appreciate the opportunity. Check out the Swarovski stuff on the 26th at nine Oh one. Yep. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Two hundred dollars off. Uh, the eight by forty-two SLCs, ten by forty-two SLCs. Uh, that's uh that's never never happened in my time anyway. So, buddy, thanks for everything. Keep Thank it up. God bless. Appreciate it. Okay. You too, Jay.